you're tuning in to the Chief Hustler Podcast, where we will shatter the status quo and propel change-making women to redefine their career on their own terms. I'm your host, Amber, and we will focus on empowering women to not only be heard, but valued. The show will surface and resurface the topics that often go unaddressed in today's male-dominated industries and corporate cultures. We're here to reframe what it means to be a successful woman at work and relentlessly strive for excellence in everything we do. Let's get started. What's going on, Hustlers? How are you doing? Happy Wednesday. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of the Chief Hustler Podcast, where we're here to unpack the difficult moments that women and minorities face in the workplace. And the one I want to talk to you about today is coming in hot, so hot, which is, why are you so angry? Can you tone it down? Can you say that differently? If you have been on the receiving end of any version of that, this podcast episode is for you. And most importantly, If you know someone and you are still working with someone that has said something like that to someone else, pass the episode along to them to listen. Okay, so let's dive into this. I'm first going to tell you a personal experience of mine, one of probably hundreds at this point. I'm also going to hit you with some straight facts, and then I'm going to give you some ideas about what to do differently in the future, because you know... I'm all about let's change the conversation. We can't change the conversation unless we're present for the conversation. So let's get into it. So very early in my career, I'd probably say within the first two years, very, very early in my career, I started working on some high profile projects. And what I mean by that is there was millions of of dollars of investment associated with the project that I was working on. I had a lead role. In the project, I didn't own the project, but but my position and my responsibilities in the project were were one where I I owned things and I had large responsibilities and contributed in a large way. And I worked on that project through the life of my time at at, at that first company. In fact, it's where many of my patents sit. And on one particular day, a leader came to me and asked me to test something. Well. Being in engineering, there, there was a protocol for, for deciding what to test and what not to test. And um, the the thing that was being called into testing um, just didn't fit the criteria. And so I said no. And the leader didn't like that. The leader did not like that. And I can't necessarily blame him because I was in, in some ways defying what was being called of me. But I had, a, I had a reason, you know, the criteria upon which we decide to test something is this. The thing that you're asking me to test does not fit the requirement or the criteria. And therefore, it feels like it would be a waste of dollars and time of all the people that would be involved to, to do what you're asking me to do. And that leader, at some point, you know, weeks gone by had a conversation with my leader about how I wasn't being a team player and they didn't like, you know, they didn't like my tone with regards to not testing something. And at 23, 24 years old, 
being bright eyed and bushy tailed and I'm going to conquer the world, which in a lot of ways I still feel that way. But at the time specifically, I was definitely like, listen, I, I, you're not going to tell me (laughs) this isn't that, this isn't that rodeo. And so it, it went on to be suggested that if I didn't change the way I interacted with folks, Um, that it would be hard for me to be promoted. And I found that so interesting because it wasn't like I was simply being defiant to be defiant. It wasn't like I was saying no just to say no. I was saying no because the thing that was being asked of me did not make sense, nor was it the process that we had established as a team. It didn't go along with the operating model upon which the organization wanted to, to operate within. So for me, it didn't check any boxes of yes. So it was a fairly simple no. And I've always been one to respect authority, but that but that respect does does not come at a sacrifice of myself for doing the right thing. Let me just say that one more time. I'm not going to sacrifice doing the right thing just to simply respect authority. That doesn't work for me. And so this particular gentleman did not like me saying no, regardless of the reasons. And um, this is this is fairly common. This is fairly common when you look at women in business versus men in business, particularly minority women in business versus men in business. And in this particular case, I'm a black woman talking to a white man and leadership about why I won't do something he wants me to do. And, um, you know, that kind of created a, to be straight up a shit storm for me. But for me, I was holding on to my values and upholding the process upon which the broader authority established. You see what I mean here? So I was holding up, quote unquote, the rules. He didn't like the rules. I told him no. He had a problem with the way I said it. Okay, cool. And the reality is that I've had so many experiences like this where I've said no, I've been vocal, I've been passionate, and I get labeled as angry. I get labeled as making people uncomfortable. I get labeled as, you know, can you say that a little bit nicer or get told the way you say things and and all of that. And let's just call it what it is. It's tone policing in the workplace. When a person in a minority role stands up and uses their voice to speak out or speak up against an injustice in the workplace, and injustice in this form is, is, is a broad brushstroke for things that should not be done in the workplace, things that aren't fair in the workplace. And that could be everything from some of the smallest things that can happen in the workplace, like that just shouldn't be done that way, all the way to big things like sexual harassment or discrimination or things like that, all of which I've been involved in in some capacity of standing up for what's right truly standing up for what's right and using my voice to say, this isn't right. This isn't fair. We shouldn't do this. I don't agree. I don't support. And with every year that's gone by, I've gotten a little bit more confident to, to truly be vocal with no real regard for the ramifications, because for me, it's most important to do what's just versus um, staying quiet. And so let's just call it what it is. It's tone policing. It's tone policing. And it is running rampant in 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 life um but but more times than not what you end up seeing is a a white male tending to tell a a woman of color that how she says what she says is not not good enough it's not palatable it's not it's not going to be received well by others and I cannot tell you how many times I have heard that 
In fact, I heard it for like two years straight and it created so much of a hostile work environment that I left the company because I've been there. I've been there. I've been in a hostile work environment. And the emotional trauma associated with um, tone policing is, is really hard to manage because you are listening to an authoritative figure in your workplace tell you that the way you say things is unpalatable. But for you, you're just trying to do what's right, what you feel is just or fair in the workplace. And so it's a very difficult conundrum to navigate around. It's, it's kind of like a, like a minefield a little bit. You literally don't know, depending upon what step you take, if you're, if you're going to be blown up to pieces or not. And, um, and it, and it impacts things like your relationships. It can impact your year in review. I cannot tell you how many times I have been in a year in review and they say, you've done a really great job. You've excelled and you've overachieved in these variety of ways, but you really need to work on the way you interact with people. It's just not always well-received. And it's always interesting to be in that position where it's like, okay, so this isn't about my work ethic. This is about who I am as an individual. Got it. So let me hit you with some facts. And this is, um, this is always where I like to come in and just, and just share that Many of these things have been written about, talked about in the past, but I don't think people are always doing all the research. So let me, I'm going to make it easy for you today. And I'm just going to drop a bunch of links into the show notes that you can go read these articles. This one from Fast Company that I'm going to quote is a little, is a little old, but still incredibly relevant. And what it says is an analysis of performance evaluations from junior male and female attorneys at a Wall Street firm concluded that ratings dropped for women who didn't display interpersonal warmth and quote they're out of line breaking the rules violating the shoulds of gender stereotypes the issue is not are they that way or not that way the issue is men and women are probably behaving exactly the same but women are taking a hit and that's that's often the case I have been in so many meeting rooms and so many projects and on so many teams where I've watched a man do the exact same thing that I've done and there are no repercussions for it. I do it and the world is on fire. Now all of a sudden I'm the devil and I'm the worst thing to ever walk the halls of corporate America. Here's another one from Huffington Post. And again, I will link all these. When you're a woman, tone policing is rampant. Amid the hate and abuse, we are expected to stay calm and eloquent as possible. Our justified rage is always attributed to oversensitivity, hormones, or PMSing. We are treated as emotional, not as intellectual beings, when the truth is we are emotional and intellectual beings. Intellect without emotion is dead inside. There's a whopping double standard regarding tone between men and women, and of course, others along the gender binary and non-binary folk. Men who are angry are passionate and driven. Women who are passionate and driven are just angry. This is one of my favorite lines of this, of this particular article that I'll link because it resonates with me so much. Even when we, meaning women, don't speak with anger, when we are articulate and assertive, it is portrayed as a wild anger regardless. And that's the thing. I think I, I in so many workplaces have often been labeled as angry because I've been passionate and vocal and articulate and intelligent. And 
the hurdle with regards to perception is far greater for a person like me in the workplace than my white counterpart. As a black woman walking into an office, I have to prove above and beyond what my what my white counterparts would have to. And I'll give you a great example. I have been in rooms where a coworker has so elaborately overstated the one patent that a man has and how amazing it is. But yet here I am sitting in the room with 15 and no one knows or seems to care. And it's so interesting, even just the the bias that we associate with accomplishments of men relative to women in the workplace creates this unlevel playing field. And here's the unfortunate part. We as women are doing it to ourselves. Other women are doing it to other women. And the madness has to stop. The madness has to stop. And I have gotten it pretty bad from men in the workplace because they've often been my bosses. They've often been the people that have influenced my year in report, that kind of thing. But but women are my peers. And, and if we can't collectively do our part to police the tone policing, if you will, um, it'll never stop. It'll never stop. And we have to stop doing it to ourselves. We really do. Women have to stop doing it to other women. And this one in particular I'm talking about is white women doing it to black women. I have, I've personally been present or experienced too many times where a white woman has told me, tried to check me, quite frankly, about my tone when she gives tons of passes for the guy in the office. And it just, it just doesn't work for me. It just doesn't work for me. So here's what the tone policing and all of these moments of being told that the way you say something or how you say something or the tone is 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 impacting your work is that people of color or women find themselves on guard, on guard. They're protective. They're, they're highly more in tune to bias. They're highly more in tune to the differences that they bring to the workplace impacting their performance and work. There's a great research organization called Catalyst.org, and I will link this report in the show notes as well. But here is what's so interesting. With regards to just gender bias alone, which often happens with tone policing, is that it is either a, a woman in the workplace or a woman of color in the workplace. Women are nearly twice as likely compared to men to report being on guard in anticipation of gender bias. 40% for women versus 26% of men. Over 40% of Asian, Black, Latinx, and multiracial respondents report being on guard because they anticipate racial bias. When you look at both racial and gender bias together, women of color are twice as likely compared to men of color to be on guard because they expect both gender and racial bias. This is why intersectionality matters. It's not just about being a woman. It's not just about being black. It's about being a black woman or being a gay black woman or being being a bisexual Asian woman. All of those instances matter with regards to how people show up to work. And if people that are underrepresented in workplaces are going to be tone placed, if they're going to be told the way they say something or how they say something doesn't doesn't work or isn't palatable, 
then it creates emotional tax and stress on those individuals. And what we also know from a health perspective is that people of color are significantly more likely to face diabetes, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and all of those really difficult adult diseases, cancer, when dealing with more stress. And so the the numbers are beyond loud when it comes to that. And so folks of color are carrying the emotional torch, the emotional stress torch at work and then have to deal with the stress as human beings and are likely to face more medical costs, more costs through therapy, more costs through maintaining a healthy a healthier lifestyle more likely to face obesity you see where i'm getting at here so that small moment of tone policing really stacks up they start to really add up and i cannot i can no longer count how many times i've been on the receiving end of tone policing at work and moreover in life in general it weighs on you So if you are a person that has faced tone policing at work or you, as you reflect on previous experiences and you realize through this podcast episode, like, damn, that was tone policing. It's time to start to change the conversation. We got to call it out. We have to address it. We have to bring light to moments like this. And if someone wants to tell you that how you're saying something is wrong, then let's first start with do you agree with what I said because if you agree with what I said and there is no issue there then you telling me that you didn't like how I said it is tone policing it is a version of discrimination and oppression in the workplace and I'm more than happy to have a a conversation about this but this is detrimental to my psychological safety which ultimately can be detrimental to my work performance at work and see what they say see what they say. You're not always going to like how people say what they have to say, but we as adults have to get past that. The world is not roses and butterflies and glitter all the time. It's just not. Now, of course, I think that there is something very valuable to pleasantries and niceties in the workplace, but it cannot come at a cost of a person being authentic to who they are, particularly when you talk about women of color who are passionate and vocal but are perceived as angry. Where the opposite, a man who is, dare I say, even angry and passionate is just seen as ambitious. We got to change the conversation. I am, I just, particularly in the circles that I surround myself in, am no longer accepting this scenario as something that negatively impacts women of color or women in the workplace. I'm just not going to accept it anymore. It's just not going to work for me. And so if you are early in career and you're facing these things and you feel confident and safe enough to speak up, I encourage you to do so. If you do not feel confident or comfortable enough to challenge tone policing directly at you, I would encourage you to turn into your network of mentors and peers and advocates that you can have an authentic, meaningful, and confident conversation with and ask for support. Ask for support. Ask for allyship. Ask for support. And and 
it, it may not happen overnight. The change may not happen overnight, but change will come with challenging these ideas and norms and bias with, with regards to women and, and all versions of intersectionality with regards to people of color in the workplace. That's what I got for you today. If you want to have a personal conversation with me, come find me on Instagram or the link to my email is in the show notes as well. Send me an email. Let's chat. Let's chat. I'm always here to help you and bring some voice of reason to the conversation. Like I said, I'm going to link everything in the show notes. And if you have any questions, of course, feel free to reach out. And that is it today. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Chief Hustler podcast, where we are focused on propelling change-making women to redefine their career on their own terms. I hope that with this episode, we've had another opportunity together to reframe what it means to be a successful woman at work and relentlessly strive for excellence in everything you do. As always, I want to thank you for your time as it is your most valuable possession. There are a few ways to join the conversation. First, by following the Chief Hustler on Instagram and sharing in a post and commenting on your perspective. Second is by sharing this episode or others in a way that's authentic to you. This community is nothing without you and you sharing means the absolute most to me. Thank you so much for tuning in. Until next time, keep hustling.